Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on here, hour two, Cofield and Company, Kevin e. Martin, local sports anchor, Sporting Tribune, going to be doing a lot of stuff, um, I'm sure, here in the next couple weeks, announcing more and more gigs, but a really good spot there on Cofield and Company. Thank you. She walks away. Appreciate it. Now I feel bad. She was like, am I wait? Am I kicked off? I'm like, I, you can you can stay, but you know, I don't want to have her overcommitted. You know what I mean? Plus, you've you've got to talk more. I mean, you're here for three hours. You're not getting a chance to talk. I, um, Come on now. I, well, I'm doing just fine. You need to pipe it down a little bit. With what? I don't know. No. Oh. I tried to stay out that hour. I tried. Well, you have to host. You have and to moderate. You're, you're kind of really the moderator for, for her. And then and she I. just started cursing on the air, and we're like, you can, say, go. you, can, you can say ass on Sports Talk Radio. Yeah. I mean, there's no problem with that. Yeah. I mean, we've said much worse. I mean, Carrot Top came on. and Yeah, and it got a little, got a little tough. Uh, Reno's in. They're like, what's going on? Yeah, Kevin E. Martin, local Vegas anchor, was uh, with us. She played college basketball at Mammoth. If you uh, miss any part of the show, you can listen to it on LVSportsNetwork.com. So Reno's in, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield, Angel's down here back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Ari is steering the ship. We start off the 4 o'clock hour most days with the Big Four. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at 4. Number 4. So last time we talked to Willie, the uh, WNBA draft was rolling out. And, you know, it's funny, uh, based on recent history, as I'm seeing the picks get announced into the second and third round, I'm like, uh, this is really one of those leagues where second and third round picks, it's a long shot to make the freaking roster. It's it's hard. There's it's not a long shot to, to make it if you go in the first round yeah, of the WNBA. You're right. There's not enough teams right now. Uh, the Aces only had one pick. It was the last pick of the draft. Brittany Davis. Uh, we spoke to, like I mentioned earlier, we spoke to her coach from Alabama, um, Chrissy Curry, and we spoke to Natalie Williams, general manager of the Las Vegas Aces, and Brittany. Brittany, I'll tell you what, Steve. This Now, one thing that we've learned the first few years that this team has been here is when rookies come in, they want them to be themselves. They want them to be open. They want them to have fun. They want them to sort of t- shed that shy role. If there's one area where Brittany Davis is going to have to shed the shy role, it's going to be shyness. I mean, we couldn't get – she gave one, like, complete sentence answer, but only one sentence at a time. And you could just tell. I don't know if she was nervous as much as she's just shy. Um, she has a little girl, Brielle, so I think that that'll that, – you know, the, the players obviously are used to that with Dierica Hamby being there. And, of course, some of the administrators and their kids. So I, I, I'm almost positive that Brielle's going to uh, probably – Take a liking to Kelsey Plum because Kelsey's been, you know, I know that her and Dierica Hamby's little girl, um, Amaya, were, were close. And they all loved Amaya. But that being said, um, what the Aces are going to be looking at at training camp is someone that's a multidimensional scorer. Someone who can drive the lane and challenge as a 5'11 guard. Someone who can hit the mid-range J. But more than anything, she was setting numbers over at Alabama from the three-point line. She is deadly from long range. Um, so she will fit in great. It's just a matter of loosening her up a little bit and getting, uh, you know, shedding some sort of the, the shyness, the nervousness, the anxiousness, if you will. I watched some video of her. I'm, I'll admit I didn't get a chance to watch Alabama uh, women's basketball much this year, but just watching her, she's a good player, yeah, real good player. And actually the, the game I watched, uh, apparently she just did not shoot well from the perimeter, so she attacked and, you know, she got up 
on the glass pretty good. But I did watch a post-game interview with her, and it was the same thing. She was real quiet. So yeah. it takes practice. And you know, you know what? These are, these are young players, and a lot of times they're not you know, super media savvy. They don't get the exposure that higher-profile athletes get. And they're not used to doing interviews. I have to... I have to imagine that she'll be somewhat similar to a little bit like Kirsten Bell, um, but I think she might be a little more threatening from from long range. But if she, her driving kick game is good, there's plenty of shooters on this team that'll be able to, you know, uh, hit hit the J. Number three. Number three. Did they finally fix? I'll say a big issue, but really an embarrassing issue in the WNBA with travel. Uh, I don't know if they if it's completely fixed, but they have made an attempt to charter flights for the playoffs for everybody, not just the WNBA, but also those teams that are on back-to-back nights. So last year the league chartered uh, for the WNBA finals as well, as well as for the road team in the Commissioner's Cup championship game, which happened to be Vegas going to Chicago. Um, so now... At a cost of around $4.5 million, that according to a source um, for the AP, Doug Feinberg wrote that. Um, they're going to add, again, this year chartering flights for the entire playoffs and back-to-back regular season games. It's, it's, it's a step in the right direction, right? So, of course, you're going to have those people that are going to be like, it's not enough, they need to do Okay, everything takes time. It's a step in the right direction. Last year they took a step in the right direction in doing the WNBA playoffs. I think there was actually one or two playoff teams where, like, there was an actual hang-up. There was a hiccup. I want to say it involved the Connecticut Sun, and I can't remember which, but there was a hang-up in the playoffs, not the finals. And something happened where they needed to charter, and they allowed it. They, They wavered it. But next step, hey, it's better than nothing. It's a step in the right direction. All the playoff teams and teams that are playing back-to-back will be chartered this year. Number two. VGK in the playoffs going to be taking on Winnipeg. Minus 150 favorites. Pretty small for a number one seed. Minus 150 favorites in the series. And I think it goes back to the goaltending situation. Now, here's the thing. Winnipeg, if you if you, if you you look back, they, they can credit a late season run. A lot of people had Calgary penciled in for making the run to get the number two wild card. But Winnipeg did a good job in winning down the stretch. They won, they won uh, five of seven to close the season, and they even lost to Calgary. But if you look back, to mid-February, February 16th, they were only 12-14-2. They lost 16 of 28. They were outscored by 11 goals. They weren't necessarily an effective team down the stretch when you talk about the last two months. And Laurent Brassois, as we mentioned earlier, who's come on strong, since his return, well, since not just his return, to his return to the to the season, to the team, because he was out. And then he, you know, he rehabbed over at the uh, – Henderson Silver Knights, he played a lot of time there. But he has played in 11 games. He's had 10 decisions, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Seven, yeah, he's played in 11. He's had 10 decisions. 7-0-3. Now, since his return, Steve, on February 21st, he ranks tied for fourth among goaltenders with a minimum 10 starts with a 2.17 goals against average. His save percentage, 
ranks third in the NHL among goaltenders in that time span. Again, minimum 10 games started, .927. So he is a top four goaltender when it comes to goals against and save percentage. So if if the number's kind of low and you're you're thinking about, well, is are the odds makers telling me something here? Is Winnipeg going to be dangerous? I'll say it again. The hot hand, Laurent Brassois has been one of the hottest goaltenders in the entire NHL. Names behind him, we're talking Igor Shosturkin, Sorokin, Fleury. So there are some big names that are behind this guy, Andre Vasilevsky, in this same time frame. Connor Hellebuck, a Winnipeg Jet. Boisois is right up there with Linus Olmark and Philip Gustafson. Gustafson with the Wild. Olmark, who is part of the Boston Bruins' William Jennings Trophy, who's that's awarded to the goaltending tandem that provides the overall best performance for the season. So, uh, yeah, uh, to me, $1.50 is cheap, and it's worth it. Number one. Inside of two weeks now from the draft. Raiders at number seven. They just spent an entire week bringing in a bunch of offensive players, first and foremost, the quarterbacks. Can Josh McDaniels resist the urge to take his side of the ball? Quarterback or someone else on offense by trading back in the first round? Or will they stick to what we think the plan should be? And that's helping out the defense. I, I, I'm I about to write a column for the Sporting Tribune, and I'm going to put my top five players that should be that hopefully are available and that they'll consider taking. Not one of them is an offensive player. My fear is that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler feel the pressure from Mark Davis that that this team has to perform this year. This team has to make the playoffs, and it's got to succeed on offense. And because that's all they know, I think that they're, they're it's sort of like overthinking it. As a writer, let me give you a different example. As a writer, Steve, I, I transcribe a 15-minute interview. I probably only needed six minutes of that interview. I've got all these quotes I only need to use some of them, but I'm, I'm doing my damnedest to fit every single quote in that story, and now all of a sudden it's just diluted. They're going to overthink this and dilute with offensive names, and they're going to miss out on the right defensive player. I don't think they need to go that route. My fear is that that's the route they're going to go. I believe Richardson, Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, or Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback, will slip to number seven. And they'll take him. One will be there. Yeah. I, no, I didn't say the second part. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think their discipline to either trading back or taking a defensive player there, trading back and getting more value or just outright taking a, a defensive player at seven, I, I think it'll be tested because I think one of those four quarterbacks will be there. Well, the, the two, Stroud and, and Young, will not be. But, yes, it will be tested because um, it's highly likely that one of those other two will be there. I don't know what I would do. Here's the thing. I've been so high on Richardson, but I was high on Richardson before they signed Garoppolo. So now I don't know if it's worth it. I really don't. You have your guy, and you have Brian Hoyer. Yeah, you want to build for the future, but, I mean, 
I don't know if Garoppolo. I, it's it's tough to say because you, you you don't draft a guy. I guess in the seventh you could say you draft him and and you're and and he's the bridge and and you could sit him. The other two guys, like if you were they were to trade up to get a top three pick, you're not drafting that high to sit somebody. I just don't see it. So. I'm not sure the predicament that they put themselves in if they're up against it, and one of those two, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, is available. If it's me, I'm still stuck on building the defense. And you want a defensive back, a defensive back, or an edge? Because Tyree Wilson's moving up the charts on a lot of people's list. Defensive lineman Jalen Carter could be there. I mean, everyone's taking a look at him. I don't know if they've unearthed, you know, disturbing stuff. I don't know if he came across as a clown, if he actually fixed, you know, any perceived character issues in these interviews four of my five that i'm putting in this article are defensive backs the fifth is tyree wilson if they if he's there you take him you know i mean you you got one of the three best edge rushers in football in max crosby you have chandler jones but whatever tyree wilson can provide whatever he can do um he can learn from both of them you have Chandler Jones, a seasoned veteran, who may not still be able to do what he's done in the past on the field, but he can teach, he can mentor, and you have Max Crosby setting example as one of the best at his craft. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, offices in Reno and Henderson and Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Baseball underway on this Friday. Las Vegas Phillies out to a 4 nothing start. Schwarby and uh, Castellanos. With Ribbies, Brandon Marsh as well. Uh, Edmund Sosa has a home run. Bryson Stott, who's been hot as a pistol coming out of the gates, hitting 386, but he is 0 for 2 so far in this game. So top three, Philly on top of Cincinnati. It's 4 nothing. We're also tracking the first NBA game of the night. These are play-ins. It's play-in night. Win or go home. And uh, Miami was out. Let's see what the latest update is. Uh, Miami out to a... Uh, 16-13 start, about four and a half minutes left in the first against the Bulls. And believe it or not, Willie, no. we were talking about the NHL a couple minutes ago. End of the regular season, I think it was supposed to be yesterday, but they're doing two makeup games today. So uh, Buff and Columbus coming up at 4.30. And Colorado Nashville, which actually is an important game. It is an important That's game. That's at 5 o'clock. I like, uh, it's a, you know, for betters out there, I kind of like the, the number on Columbus. It's going to sound weird, but... Uh, they're they're getting a big number, but I think it's, there's value there because they've had such a disappointing season. Their last two games went into overtime. Buffalo played an emotional game yesterday because Buffalo was in this playoff hunt for a wild card spot about two weeks ago. Like they were still mathematically available. So and they've had an incredible season. Now in years past, the Sabers have been a team where like they shoot out the first month, they get fans on excited, they're all you know they're hyped up. And what happens is they fall apart, right? They, they break their fans' hearts. Well, this year, they lasted all the way toward near the end of the season. So last night, they went into uh, overtime with Ottawa at home, the home finale, the farewell to the, to the, uh, to the what you call it, to the fans. Craig Anderson no longer going to play for the Sabres. It was a very emotional night. Now they're going on the road to play this nonsense game that means nothing but for Columbus it's their it's their home finale and it's been a disappointing season for the Blue Jackets who you know in years past they had a little bit of a promising offensive game 
I like them tonight. I think there's plenty of value. I think Buffalo's going to come in flat. And then Colorado's at Nashville laying a big number because if Colorado wins, they win the Central Division. Willie, Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno on the road. Right off the strip inside Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Let's do a giveaway right now. 364-1100. 364-1100. Caller number seven. Billy Idol's coming to town in October. First chance to buy the tickets is tomorrow. 10 a.m. Ticketmaster.com. Win them before you can buy them right here. Caller seven, two tickets. Billy Idol, Chelsea, the Cosmopolitan, Las Vegas, October 20th to the 28th. We've got a pair of tickets right now. Ari will give them to caller number seven, 364 364-1100. Do you care who wins between the Bulls and the Heat in terms of making for compelling basketball in the next round? Like, are you more interested in one team over the other? I named the Heat as a... An upset darling when it gets to the real playoffs, but now it looks like they have a chance here to not even make the field. Uh, I I don't really have a lean either way. I'm not going to say that, you know, one's going to make a better storyline than the other. I wouldn't mind seeing the Bulls get in. I mean, I think you can come up with an interesting storyline for both teams. It's almost like what we've talked about, you know, a couple weeks back with the Final Four, seeing, seeing a couple teams that we didn't expect maybe to be there or whatever, but... I, I, I like I like I like the fact that you know we have an intriguing play in game right now do or die that you know we're uh, but I don't have a lean on either side tonight I, I may I may look at Oklahoma City Minnesota a little bit more um, I kind of like the points with the thunder but I'd like to see the the Timberwolves get in so many weird situations unfolded in the NBA this year yeah like the heat are a team of now. They've got some good young players, but they're a team of now. The Bulls have been moving towards being a team of now, so I agree with you. The Bulls are a cool story. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of people got on the Bulls for going after DeRozan. They signed Lonzo Ball to a big contract. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been healthy. But it was like, well, what, you know, what's that going to do? And, you know, having Zach Levine around, well, what's that going to do? Well, it's going to get him closer to being something interesting to watch. You don't have to tank to, you know, to the point where you're winning 11 games a year for five straight years. Are you like, a Zach Levine fan? I am. Yeah, I Me like too. him a lot. Yeah. Um, I like him a lot. Real quick, let me just interject. I'm sorry. I, you know why I like him, Steve? Never lost, even after the two slam dunk ties, kid never lost his humility. He would come to the NBA Summer League. Now, you could go to Chicago and say, hey, do you remember Willie Ramirez from, he, he's going to go who? He's not going to know. He's one of those guys, though, that you, t- like, I don't need to catch eye contact with him. Him and Devin Booker, same way. NBA Summer League, like, they remember, I'm assuming, media from cities. Always take the time, was courteous. Now, it's been a couple of years since I've seen him, but I did a story on his childhood friend. It was a fantastic piece. Um, I just like Zach Levine. I like Zach Levine, the person, and I remember covering him when he was at UCLA. He came and did a tournament at the Orleans. So for that reason, you know what? Now I'm going to root for the Bulls tonight. Just just thinking of <laughs> Zach Levine, now you're on board. Yeah. Uh, one of the weird things that happened this year, Utah was way more competitive than they should have been because yeah. they were trying to tank. That's why they got rid of so many guys. I don't know what OKC's plan was. I think it was to be crappy again, but they're not crappy. I mean, they're, they're scrappy. Gilgis Alexander is awesome. Scrappy. So they have crappy. a superstar in that guy, yeah. but they've had a lot of guys step up at young ages to you know, prove to be a little better than uh, we expected, and they had set up a tank for a couple of years, but they're on the verge of making the playoffs, which I think is kind of cool, especially for a league that so many people complain about. You know, we just saw the story emerge with the NBA. Didn't even wait for the Knicks. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but 
someone had suggested the Knicks needed to file a grievance over the draft pick, alleging that Dallas you know didn't try and kind of screws up the integrity not only of the playoffs but the draft. So the NBA just stepped out and they're like, all right, we're finding you $750,000, which irks me because if you didn't follow the story, the Mavs sat a ton of players with a chance to get in to the play-in as the 10, which is one thing. But then, unfortunately, Jason Kidd basically said, yeah, that's what we're doing, which you can't say. But then I also think, does Mark Cuban not care? Like, is he he actually happy that they made it obvious and they said it, that we don't like your play-in tournament, NBA? And I'm willing to – but he didn't say it at the time, but a $750,000 fine, I don't care. I'm here to make a point. Yes. So good for you, Jason Kidd. I have a I have no problem with anything that you just said, anything that's taken place. I have no problem with the tanking aspect. I have no problem with them being bold enough to say that they were tanking, insinuate that they were tanking, and go about the way that they are doing what they're doing. And I have no problem with them getting fined because as of right now, it's it's against the integrity of the game. Now, if, if for some reason or another – I don't know how you could possibly word that to relax that sort of rule, but if 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 they felt that it hurt the integrity of the game and that's the fine, and you got a guy like Mark Cuban that's like, okay, fine, we go ahead, I'll cut the check, so be it. I have no problem on any of those levels, any way, shape, or form. Like I don't think they're like, well, you learned your lesson. No, okay, here, who do I sign? You know, in a way, I almost think I could see the NBA calling out Mark Cuban and going, listen, we know what you did, and we're going to fine you. All right. And you don't even have to pay the fine. Here's the thing. From an optic standpoint, you're right. We can't really do anything to punish you for your organization's desire. But we need, from an optic standpoint, to send a message that games matter, that tanking isn't always going on. Because the NBA does have an image problem, especially with people our age and older who have now built this thing up in their mind that guys don't care anymore. Like, none of the players care. No one in the league cares. Like, and that's not the case. But examples like this make the league look bad. Examples of, you know, like Dallas not playing to get in the playoffs is a bad look for the league. Well, let me finish the sentence for you. It's a bad look that they don't care about the fans. And here's what's doing it. It's these videos that we're seeing, these interviews that are going wild on TikTok and Instagram reels, interviews with Magic Johnson, interviews with Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's widow, in saying there's one that I just saw in the last 48 hours that's making its rounds where she's interviewed and she said Kobe was like in her, he was hurt, he was in pain or something, and she's like, why? he goes, I'm going to play. Be- why? He, she said, I don't understand, honey. You, the, the, you can't, like, something like they were already made to play. I can't remember the, the exact, but it, the point was that it, it wasn't going to do a thing to the Lakers standing in the playoffs or in the seedings or in the standing, whatever. It wasn't going to do a thing. If he would have rested, he was like, somebody in that arena that we're visiting, they saved up all year for us to visit, like it was an Eastern Conference team, to, to see me play. So I'm going to play. And even if I got to limit my minutes, I'm going to play. Things like that from the old school Kobe Bryant era and back is probably what's hurting this image. And that is we're, that message from the old school guys where we didn't miss time. We played the Michael Jordan flu game, so on and so forth. Those are the things that sort of are not helping. Zion Williamson this week did not help. 
winner go home game. He's been out since January 2nd. He's healthy enough with the hammy to go out and throw down a bunch of dunks and warm-ups. And then his explanation was, I'm not right mentally. I don't want to have to think about it. I, I, I hate getting on guys when they're injured because I'm not the one who's injured. It's not my body. It's not my future. Although that said, he's he's locked into 163 million, which I think he can jump up to like 214 million. That was a bad look. Not playing after participating in warmups. I, I hate getting on guys or or people, not guys, women, men, any occupation. You know what? You know what, Steve? I'm just gonna. It's 4:30. I'm done. I'm gonna go home because I my my mental games. No. I drove down here, and I could have been going through something earlier today, but I, I made it, and I came down. You show up, you went through warm-ups, your team is expecting you. Now all of a sudden you've decided that? I do have a problem with that. Yes. We, we saw that with Simone Biles in the Olympics. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not degrading anybody for their mental health. <laughs> Lord knows, I am not the one that's going to put anyone down for mental health issues. But you're right. You went through warm-ups, you're there, you're, you're dressed. All of a sudden you decided this? Come on. Polly Walnuts with the man of gut. The man of gut. In the oven. Have you been catching up on some of the new episodes with uh, our hometown guy here in Vegas, Guy Fietti? No. Hometown, he went to school here. Yeah. I know that he, he went over to a friend of ours. He Well, he came he, – he does uh, – now I'm blanking on the name of the show, whatever it is. Uh, Diners. Triple, no, it's Triple D Nation. It's, oh, a, oh, it's a spinoff oh, of yeah. Diners, Drives, and di- Drive In and Dives. Um, and they go back to places they went to like you know 10 years ago. So they did go to Naked City Pizza in town. They introed some new places in town, which was interesting. Um, the episodes that are up now, a lot of Vegas, a lot of Santa Barbara. I think Boise's coming up, and they did a tour of – Jersey, which they've been to a bunch of times, to a bunch of places. But they went to, I think I have this right. They went to an Italian deli, right? And they just kind of got into the whole Italian-American slang thing, which is not Italian, with the man of gut and stuff like that. So he was getting a kick out of it, guy was, as a California Italian guy. There was a, there, I saw a TikTok recently where it, it said uh, Italian slang, and it was how to pronounce these things properly. Right. And, and some it, of them are right. Manigut, regut. Yeah. That's what guy guy was like, uh, everything doesn't end. Pasta and, Yeah, every, the uh, calamari doesn't end. Yeah. With a calamar. Calamar. So I figured we'd play a little Gabagol. poly. Gabagol. Little, little poly. Gabagol and Gabadil. Gavadil, right? And Gavadil, G-A-V. Yeah. We're doing a lot of chit-chat here, a little small talk. Well, this, this kind of stuff, you know, you get a couple of Italian-Americans. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, Vinny Pascantino and uh, give me someone else, right? Vinny Bumbats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they meet up at first base, you know. You don't get any of this anymore. Well, you especially don't get it at the plate with the catcher and the hitter. Mike Piazza, forget about it. Right? The pitch clock's going. Let's go. Come on. Be ready. Speed it up. And you guys at AP actually wrote a story. MLB players find less time for small talk with the pitch clock. And I hadn't even thought of this. But what did what they talk about here? I guess there used to be a lot of chatter on the field. Well, we're, you know, we're watching on TV or on the stands. Maybe we're distracted. We don't know what's going on. 
Right. Well, they would walk up and they would catch up with him, especially if you have former teammates maybe, a catcher that used to be on one team and now he's on another. And especially, you know, they go from National League team to the next or division rival, whatever it may be. Um, you know, you can catch up. He's getting the battery. Now you have, you have 30 seconds between at-bats to get set. You have 15 seconds between pitches, 20 when someone's on base. There is no more time to finding out how the wife, the new baby, the side chick, whatever it is that you've got. There's no time to catch up with all that. It's over. It's done. So, yeah, uh, Pat Graham wrote it with, with the help of a couple of uh, – Pat Graham, he's out of Colorado, and then uh, Janie McCauley up in the Bay Area, Mike Fitzpatrick back east, uh, Skylar Dixon from Dallas. They all contributed – and wrote on how they got, you know, quote from around the league, just on how things are different. Things are quicker. And you oh, get, and God. You, and you get fine. I don't like this line at all. You see this one? Uh, one, Jock Peterson, now with the Giants, said, quote, it's all business. Well, it kind of is. You know, people at home don't want the game because you guys are chatting for 30 seconds here, 15 seconds there. We don't need another half an hour added to the game because of that stuff. This one's a classic, though. Nate Lowe, Rangers first baseman, says once received friendly advice from longtime umpire Joe West. Greet each ump by their first name and make a little small talk. I wonder if the umps now are like, oh, you're not going to talk to me, huh? How about Dustin? Get out of here! Where's the small talk? I like Dustin May's take. Hey, once I crossed the lines, I didn't really talk to anybody. No, no, no. We're enemies. I don't even get the small talk. I don't even care. I end up on Raider Nation Radio. Don't top stop me a Lotus. All right, let's bring in Stanford. Stan, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good, fellas. How are you? Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you. I want to go right to the uh, Texan situation as we talk a bunch of football leading up to the draft. Did you see yesterday out of nowhere, it seemed like everyone in the NFL had reports that uh, the Texans may not take a quarterback at number two. Smokescreen or reality, they could go – elsewhere and uh, not take Stroud or Young. What do you think? I mean, it could be. They might want to go Will Anderson out of Alabama, the edge rusher slash linebacker. So, I mean, we all know that D'Amico Ryans is a defensive type of guy. He's a defensive-minded head coach. So maybe he feels that Will Anderson is going to be more NFL-ready than C.J. Stroud slash Bryce Young. So who knows? We're now at that, we're now at that time where we're about a couple weeks out of the out in the draft, and now everything is going to be a story. Everything seems like it's a smokescreen. Everything we're going to go and break it all the way down to the, nook and, the nooks and crannies and over-scrutinize it, so it's definitely that time of year. So that is Stanford Routes take on what they're thinking. Let's put the GM hat on Stanford Route. You're running the Texans. What are you doing with this team? Ah, oh, man, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I feel a lot of times that Davis Mills didn't necessarily get the the uh, a true shake a true shake at uh at being the quarterback for the Houston Texans as far as having the weapons around him having a coach in place that's going to be the best for him and all the things like that. So I I'm not of the mindset where I would completely just rule out the perspective of not taking a quarterback with the number two pick overall and just taking the best player available and just giving my quarterback another year to prove if he can be the franchise guy. Speaking with Stanford Route, former Raider, our Friday NFL expert here on Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas. So a lot of mock drafts out there. 
pointing to the Raiders taking a corner. I know I'm putting my column together for the Sporting Tribune, Stanford, and I'm putting five names that I would like to see the Raiders consider at number seven, none of them being on offense. Your thoughts on who the Raiders should take and the fact that a lot of them, a lot of, again, a lot of these mock drafts say that they're taking a corner. I definitely think you've got to hit the defense hard. I mean, you look at you right now, you have Jimmy G as the quarterback. You just gave him about 60-some-odd million. He is going to be the guy. He's at least going to be a bridge gap between you and your next franchise quarterback. You have Hunter Renfro. You have Devontae Adams. You have Josh Jacobs. You no longer have a Darren Waller because you shipped him off to the New York Giants, but we'll go ahead and talk about that another day, my personal feelings. So you have the offensive weapons. You have that. Now you just simply got to make sure that Jimmy G stays upright. You got to make sure that Jimmy G stays healthy so he can get the ball to his playmakers. If you want to go ahead and address the offensive line, I definitely think that's a place that needs to be addressed as well. But on the defensive side of the ball, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did the Raiders or did the Raiders not blow five Mm. 20-point leads last Mm. year, which was also an NFL record? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) So just off of that alone, we need to hit this defense very, very, very hard in the draft because we didn't do it in free agency for reasons I still don't know. So we better damn do it in the draft. They, uh, as as I said, uh, a lot of them point to defensive backs. Now, if Tyree Wilson's available at seven, because he's starting to you know catch some steam here. If he's available, you still you obviously have Max Crosby, one of the best in the business. You got a veteran in Chandler Jones, not necessarily you know played up to what we're used to seeing last season, but he can still provide a little bit of mentorship. Do you grab Wilson or do you focus on the secondary? I think that you can never have enough edge rushers. You can never have enough corners. So whoever's available there and you feel that that's about, you feel you get good value at that pick, then I'm all for it. You can never have enough edge rushers. You can never have enough DBs because you're going to have guys get hurt. And we can all see right now in today's game of the NFL, the second highest paid position in the NFL is what? Pass rushing. And corner is what? I think fourth right behind offensive tackle or, you know, something like that. So there's some situations that are very, 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 very important, very prudent to having a great defense. You, you mentioned about Darren Waller being shipped out, and I have my thoughts there too. I actually read an interesting story that was on ESPN.com um, this past week on the lead-up to that. Um, I, I want to ask you about the tight end situation. Foster Moreau, of course, with the unfortunate news with his health. Um, there are two tight ends that are going to be in the draft that are from Vegas that had big years for their team. Darnell Washington out of Georgia, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. They're both from Vegas. When it comes time to maybe look at drafting a tight end, how important is it that maybe you look at someone who's from here or is that necessarily a big deal? Because these are two big names in their conferences and for their teams. I think that uh, as far as somebody who's right here in the area, I don't know if that really, really matters. It's the NFL. Guys are going to play no matter where they get drafted. And, I mean, who doesn't want to play in Sin City? Who doesn't want to play in Las Vegas? No state income tax. Relatively good weather all year. You're in the AFC West. You're in a beautiful new stadium. So I don't think it's going to be a hard sell. I'm just all about can the guy make plays? And can the guy be what Darren Waller was? And if he can be what Darren Waller was, well, then – 
Why the hell did you trade Darren Waller? We'll talk about that at another time, fellas. And so to me, can the guy make plays? Can he block in the run game? Can he give you what can he give you a fraction of what Darren Waller gives? That's all I care about. Once again, speaking with former Raider Stanford Route joining us here on Cofield and Company as he does every single Friday. So Stanford, uh, you know, we've talked about this week. Uh, I did on Monday. Steve has with with Adam, different guests. The number, the betting number, where if and where you can find it on who would go number one. It's gone back and forth between Stroud and Young, back and forth. Realistically, you put a hundred bucks on either one of them at the right time, and you're sitting pretty. Do you, ha- with the film that you've watched and what you've seen, who is your, who would be your number one pick if it's going to be one of My, those two? As far as. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Yes. Uh, or, or a wait tum- a minute. Wait, with that, with with following that up, it sounds to me like neither one of them would be your number one. If I'm if if I'm narrowing it down to those two, because you said you mean if it's those two, do you have another number one? No, I don't. Oh, so okay. if I'm picking okay. number one, uh, if I'm picking number one, obviously everybody wants to pick a quarterback. Yeah. Because once again, like I said, Bryce Young. I'm more inclined to lean towards him because he's done it at a high level. He did it at Alabama. Obviously, I'm not I'm not elated about his size, but I look at Drew Brees. I look at Russell Wilson. I even look at Kyler Murray being a two-time pro bowler in his short NFL career thus far. And C.J. Stroud, obviously, a little bit closer to prototypical size. But here's what C.J. Stroud, and this ain't even his fault. It's not even his fault. But you know what? I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but it's not his fault. I want to make sure that everybody hears me clearly when I say that. I'm going to ask both of you guys, who was the last Ohio State drafted quarterback that actually was better than average in the NFL? Oof. Exactly. So Arch Schleister. I'm sorry? I said Arch Schleister. <laughs> and, ju- and just because of that, that's why I'm just shy to, to taking him if I got the number one pick just because of that. It ain't even his fault. It's not. But something about those Ohio State quarterbacks, it's just that in many ways, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they're an SEC team in the Big Ten. And that's where they feast off of a lot. That's where they get a lot of their stats, their prolific numbers from being in that Big Ten. That's more about the run game. It's more about the trenches. They don't necessarily have a lot of guys in the skill positions just fluidly throughout the entire conference. So that's why I think Ohio State has a leg up on the competition. That's where I lean towards Bryce Young. But Bryce Young has his own flaws as far as being undersized, things like that. So that's why when I you ask me that question, it's hard for me to just give you a definitive, this is the number one guy I take because I feel that everybody has their warts. Everybody has their blemishes in this draft at the quarterback position where no matter who you take, you're still going to kind of grimace a little bit, hoping that, uh, I kind of hope he turns out. Yeah. That's kind of crazy right now of school. You know, based on their QB history, but maybe it is a system school, and for the longest time it was a power running school. It's funny looking up, you know, top ten Ohio State quarterbacks of all time, and try to find the great NFL player: Les Horvath, <laughs> Mike Tomzak, uh, let's see, Cornelius Green, Rex Kern, Arch Schleister. I mentioned him. Uh, Bobby Hoying, Craig Krenzel, yeah. Joe Germain. My God, 
Terrell Pryor, <laughs> and, and and Troy Smith. How about that yeah. list? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking exactly. at a different yeah. list, but go ahead. Yeah, I think that uh, I think there's something to that. I think that Ohio State always has a bevy of talent. And, I mean, you even look at Alabama. Up until you had Tua, obviously, and then you see uh, my man for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts. So, yes. up until then, Alabama didn't really have quarterbacks outside of Joe Namath way back in the day. But, like, they didn't really have quarterbacks who were – who were succeeding in the NFL even after having that plethora of receivers to throw to ever since around 2010, 2009, when Alabama started getting a little bit more spread offense happy and having guys on the uh, the edges to make plays. And I think there's something that goes into that because if you're throwing for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and you have first-round draft picks at receiver, well, then I'm going to ask the question, is it you or is it them? Because – that really bolds to, to, to a question to be asked. So I think anytime you're at those powerhouse schools, whenever you have an offensive tackle who's going to go first round, you have a running back who's a top pick, you've got a center who's going to go in the top 50 picks, you've got two receivers that will be first rounders. That's where i got to ask, is it your ability or is it just you being a recipient from all this talent around you? Stanford Routes with us. Let's close on this. we got about a minute left. I don't know if you saw the Big Ben comments about Lamar Jackson saying he's not a yes, good pocket passer. People come back with the numbers, and they're like, uh, Big Ben, actually, by the numbers, he's a better – Lamar Jackson is by the numbers a better pocket passer than you were. Do you buy the – it's weird with numbers because you, you watch and you're like, wait, can that really be true? So what do you think of Big Ben talking about Lamar? I understand exactly what Big Ben was saying. He just articulated it wrong. And I think that for Lamar Jackson, so much of his game is predicated off of the RPO. It's predicated off of the read option to allow the linebackers to over-pursue because of the play-action fake, which then opens up the middle of the field, which is why the tight ends are the leading receivers for the Baltimore Ravens and their aerial passing attack. You don't really see them throw outside the numbers much. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how much production Odell Beckham has in the 2023 season, assuming the Lamar Jackson is going to be in the fold. So what Big Ben is talking about is from the standpoint of simply dropping back to pass, going to your first read, your second read, your third read, and your fourth read, and then making that throw in a tight window down the field consistently over and over and over again, like you would see with an Aaron Rodgers or a Drew Brees or a Pat Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or guys of that nature, guys of that stature. So that's really what Big Ben was alluding to. And when you think about Big Ben, even from my days in Oakland, Big Ben was the type of uh, quarterback that Rob Ryan, our defensive coordinator, we, we always had the mindset of certain quarterbacks, you want to blitz it from up the middle to get them out of the pocket, like the Phillip Rivers of the world, the Peyton Mannings of the world, because right. they're not mobile. Other mobile quarterbacks, you want to keep them inside the pocket, and that's what we always want to do with Big Ben because he's not best from throwing inside the pocket versus when he gets on the move. That's when he's truly deadly, being mobile, shrugging off defensive tackles, still keeping the play alive. We always appreciate your time, Stanford. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend, and we'll check in with you next week. You guys be good, man. Be safe out there. There he is, Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raider, former NFL player. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers Offices in Reno and Henderson and Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400.